and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are aspiring writers, but we never actually sit down and take the time to write. So we are issuing a challenge. Each week we sit down for 30 minutes to write a complete short story using three or four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read a story, we talk about what we learned in reading it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you wonderful listeners. Exactto we're simply here to help you do the right thing. A doof media a doof production. Media production. Um, did I tell you that I, I wrote a little romance thing? Oh, you did. Yeah. What? What? What for? Were you feeling um, romantic? So you you know those um those like episode games like the yes, the mobile games that are like always you see the advertisements and it's like a a woman like looking super shocked um and then like maybe the like the guy As she walks in on, yeah, on her boyfriend yeah the guy is like cheating friend. on her um uh so yeah those those episode games um where there's like a woman looking shocked and yeah like walking in on uh her boyfriend like cheating on her with her best friend or whatever and then it's like the two it's always like two options and they're like one's like a kind of normal one and the other one's like batshit you know um mm-hmm. it's like uh forgive him or like push them both off the boat into like shark infested waters or something you know <laughs> anyway uh a company that's basically sort of like a i don't want to say knockoff but derivative of that um had a job posting and so i wrote them a a romance writing test uh to um oh uh yeah to try to do that and some people in the community helped so uh thank you uh kipos and thank you Wildbow. which um if you're listening uh it totally was not mortifying when i asked for feedback on my terrible uh cheesy romance thing i got it from fucking Wildbow. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and it was fine oh it was very um cordial and very very helpful um nice but i was very do you know when when you might like hear back from them um i don't but i submitted on friday so it makes sense that they wouldn't get back to me over the weekend so probably this week um and i think i met their standard um their standard isn't like that low they actually write some pretty good stuff but um do they really yeah well like it is it's supremely cheesy and you know very it follows the cliches and tropes like to the t um but it had a lot of uh, funny moments of the ones that I, I read. And, they, like, they were still en- enjoyable, even if, you know, they were still... Like, in the first one, you you get cheated on, and then you you run out into the street because you're so distraught, and you almost get hit by a car. But guess who saves you? <gasps> Harry Styles. Or not really Harry Styles, but, like, <laughs> someone... A Harry Styles look. Yeah, exactly. A boy band guy. So... Mm-hmm. And he instantly falls in love mm-hmm. with you. Yeah? Well, uh, okay. he he asks you to be his pretend girlfriend because his ex uh, just, is just crazy for him. Um, mm-hmm. And so he needs he someone to pretend to be that. his girlfriend. Uh, and then you go to school and your uh, rival has spread rumors about you being bad at sex. And everyone is making <gasps> fun of you until uh, Harry Styles or Justin Bieber or another guy walks in and is like hey yeah you're my pretend girlfriend and then like you kiss him and then everyone in school is shocked um <laughs> anyway so that's the sort of thing i'll i'll be writing her. uh if i get this job okay well you know what i i think that's honestly a really great job because you're you're hitting your demographic of of middle school age to high school age people. um and i guarantee mm-hmm. they'll probably pay very well uh i hope so i hope so um, there are like full sex scenes and like half other things. It was very what? Yeah, in fact, the the sample that they gave me had a 
had a full sex scene. Of course, those are always uh, premium choices. You don't get to to see that without dishing out. But yeah, without uh giving them diamonds, right? Actually, it, um, it is diamonds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I I didn't know that. Like they had full on sex scenes. I always thought they kept it pretty PG. No, no. It was it was very yeah. It was this is very forward on it. I don't think they like go full on like kinky, but like yeah. Definitely but like full on. There, there definitely is a penis involved. Yeah, I don't know if it's on screen, but it is described. Yeah. Oh, it's described. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I get it. So it's basically just a game version of a romance novel. Yeah. Like through and through. Except okay. like you get to choose the dialogue sometimes. Okay, well that's fun. You know what? And it's it's easy work. I can see you thriving in that. Maybe even <gasps> branching off and starting your own company. You're so mm-hmm. right. Think, think. Yeah. With your own twist on it. Like, uh, I have yeah, no idea what like my twist would be, but I'll come up with something and then it'll be, and then maybe you can like edit it in here because I'm so like clever and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I just got, uh, an idea. I know what my romance theme would be. And then this is where you, you edit it in right here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that we have a podcast <laughs> here. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> What are the words this week, Travis? Thank you so much for asking. The words for this week were housing, systematic, intensify, and jealous. Strong, strong words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really liked all the stories that were submitted. And I was even more pleased to see the uh, the number of comments under each story, um, which was utterly fantastic to see um, 30 comments in, in uh, five uh, stories to, for all of those like that's an average of of six comments per story it didn't quite work out that way i know that like the most recent story didn't get as many but like it's it got some which is uh fantastic so i was so so happy to see that that back and forth and people were reflecting on not, not only their stories but others it was great really good job guys. yeah definitely it was it was really live and active this this week so yeah fan fantastic job um so yeah i guess we're just gonna go go ahead and roll on into to the story we will be reading and talking about this week, uh which is by sarah penguin with emo mage oh i just realized with the <laughs> that's the title yes. um i think it's it's both like emotional in in the like just normal like emotional sense but also mm-hmm. emo the edge um which also i mean that comes from emotional but Anyway, Mm. I'll just start reading. (laughs) Sure thing. Just ten minutes up the stone road, the party turned off and headed toward the nearby caves. Davik turned toward the village and was able to see the rows of straw roofs. He never got used to fighting, even though they had done this enough times for it to become systematic. The butterflies in his stomach were at war, and he ran his hand through his short black hair. Liliana was helping her husband, Maton, put on his armor. She reached up on her tiptoes and kissed his cheek after she tightened the last strap. The couple couldn't be more different in any way, even down to her wearing leather armor compared to his heavy plate. She moved to the side and secured her long red hair in a tight bun and readied her short bow. This would go the way it always did. Matan would lure the beast out and use his sword and armor to keep it at bay. If it was immune to magic, then Liliana would turn it into a pincushion, and if it could take the arrows, it would get a fireball or two to the face. The Snarf Tusk responded to the bait and emerged from its cave. The beast was 15 feet tall and 30 feet long. Long brown fur covered the body and two giant tusks at the sides of its gaping maw. The beast was herbivore but had been attacking villagers. Not sure if it was over territory or wanting to eat the crops that they took to the capital, but the village was paying and a job is a job. 
Too bad Snarf Tusk steaks are fattier than Davik liked, but free food and payment was too much for them to pass up. Several arrows hit the side of the beast. It was so large, they would never hit something vital, and it let out a low growl, annoyed at the blow. Davik closed his eyes and imagined being seven years old, and his brother broke his new toy out of jealousy before he even got to play with it. He was 22 and in the tavern, arguing over politics and the mead damping his magic. He let the emotions intensify, then closed his hand and pushed the nails into his skin. When he opened his hand, the fireball emerged, and he flung it. As it flew, it screeched like a baby Keldarian dragon. Even though the three of them looked away, the flash was still bright enough to make spots of color dance in Davik's eyes. In response, the Snarf Tusk threw its head back and growled. The heat wave that came down sent sweat down his spine, and the stench of burnt fur filled the air. Angered, the Snarf Tusk thrust its head, and Matan took the hit on the shield, then swung with his sword. More arrows dug into the beast. Davik closed his eyes again. He was seven, and his best friend had a new friend, and wouldn't play with him anymore, and never even explained. He is ten and holding his mother as she cries. Dad left and won't be coming back. His nerves and skin screamed in confusion. The freezing cold of the icicle he had formed replaced the heat from the blast. He launched it, and the five-foot-long ice spear dug deeper than the arrows did. The Snarf Tusk scrambled forward and launched itself. The blow sent Matan rolling to the ground. Davik closed his eyes and imagined being in bed with his husband, the powerful arms wrapped around him. Blankets were up tight, safe, secure. He opened his eyes and focused his attention to Matan as the beast began a second charge. A stone wall burst from the ground, flinging dirt everywhere. The Snarf Tusk slammed into it and fell backwards, shaking its head dazed. Now Davik is 19 and studying under Master Tyrion, one of the great mages and also a cruel taskmaster. It's the week of exams, the time for Davik to earn becoming a, a full mage and the right to work for one of the royal courts. If he fails, then he would most likely end up as a magical sellsword. The courier has a smile on his face, unaware of the weight he is carrying. Davik opens the letter after he leaves and a few brief sentences bring him to his knees. The purple mist covered the Snarf Tusk as the beast fell, and even its legs strong enough to carry its weight couldn't fight the mist. Matan stabbed his sword into the ground and used it to push himself up. He stumbled forward and plunged his sword into the beast's eye. An arrow struck the other one. The beast thrashed on the ground. Its wailing sounded almost like it was pleading or begging. The tears welled at Davik's eyes. He always ended up like this. When the beast stopped moving, he stumbled over to Matan. Despite not moving, the fight had exhausted him. He thought of being a child and his mother kissing his bruises better. Being 15 and a healer treating a cut on his thigh, he got from drunkenly falling off a wall. The experience was a sexual awakening, but he tried to ignore that part, as that was not the sort of spell he needed. He thought of the relief of overcoming an illness when he could f swallow food and breathe with his nose again. As Matan got to his feet, Davik fell to the ground. Matan's grunt of approval and head nod were the closest he got to being emotional. Davik didn't know what Liliana saw in a person that shows little emotion. Most mages had a screwed perception of emotional displays, though. Liliana walked over and wiped his tears away and then handed him a bar of chocolate. He would eat it while she wrapped her arm around him and gave him affirmative words while Matan would carve up the kill. The same as every other time. 
All right, cool. Yeah, this was a very nice story. Um, I really do enjoy this sort of magic system, how it's being uh, di- directly linked to one's emotional state. And I'm guessing, you know, the sort of darker or greater the emotion they are feeling, the stronger that their magic is. So I, so I thought that that was really cool. Also, I think that this sort of like action scene was captured really well um we we got a strong sense of uh how things were were moving in the devastation of this matter um, of this magic so yeah overall i think it's a solid yeah solid absolutely piece so far. um as you and a lot of other people in the comments also note that the um magic system really does provide an easy way to provide you know, insights into character and, and give an excuse for that um, and that's uh-huh. something that fantasy is really, really good at, that um, you can find a reason to literalize a, a essential aspect of, of storytelling and just put it into the story uh, very um, physically. Um, there was, uh, at the very beginning when we first start uh, realizing what's happening, uh, or as, as we first get the description of how the magic works, um, there was like a moment of confusion as I was just trying to parse, you know, uh, how we, if the flashback that we were going to was just like for a second, or if we were actually like going to stay back there for a minute, you know. Um, but after that mm-hmm. first one and all the other ones, yeah. um, you, you really, you know, you get a sense of it, and uh, you really do understand um, what the purpose of it is and how long we're going to be in there, etc. Um, and I didn't. There's no like ne- necessary need to actually like explain, you know, tell us how the magic works. I think uh, Sarah Penguin does a great uh, job here of showing us how the magic works instead. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, in the in the beginning, it is sort of like a cold open into how this, this magic is working. But, I mean, thankfully, it's very easy to parse two together. I know that, that there are a lot of other magic systems that um, are a lot more complicated and take a lot more odds, uh, like a lot more odds and ends to cast certain spells. Uh, but other characters can cast the same spell without doing anything. But I, I do feel that, that, that this magic, magic system does lend itself to being not only consistent, but really easy grip um but i also really do do like these uh characters i like the uh the connection um between manton and lillian i think it's very genuine i do like how there is a lot of care be between them but you know they're both having to face this sort of like beast monster um which yeah i just really like seeing how the strain of this fight might sort of affect their relationship um so yeah, I think that through and through the characters are really driving the, this story. Um, and I think that the time that we do spend in the flashback is really well done to where, you know, we're setting up these characters even more so than the action scenes did. So yeah, definitely the utilization of these flashbacks, even though the lines be between them at, at first weren't as, you know, drawn in the sand, um, as I would have liked them to, to be, but after the first flashback, we, we get a sense of like time and place. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, these flashbacks work, work fantastically in setting up the characters so that when we do hop back to, to the action, there's a lot more at stake because mm-hmm. we are familiar. Um, I think maybe, uh, one thing that, um, Raj contributed to some of the confusion was just some of the tense changes. Um, there's a part where it goes present tense. Mm-hmm. Um, when we go into a flashback and another one that doesn't, 
um, and things like that. Um, so clearing up and, and keeping those consistent, I, I mean, it makes sense if you want to, like, um, I think you could definitely write this story all in present tense, including the flashbacks, or you could write it all into, mm-hmm. um, or you could have it all in present and have the flashbacks in past tense, or you could have it all in past tense. So you have some options there. Um, another, like, little thing um, regarding, like, prose um there's uh this is something that i'd never thought about until um our creative writing professor pointed out in one of our like normal lessons which is to Mm -hmm. he said he phrased it as approach the image directly or something like that Mm, i don't remember but basically um like there's this uh just a small example in the beginning uh with liliana was helping her husband maton put on his armor not that it's like that is she was helping put on the armor. Like, it, it works perfectly. Um, but another way you can write it is Liliana helped her husband Matan put on his armor, which just changes it from a... Um, oh gosh, I should actually, like, memorize the actual grammatical terms. Yeah. You are... You're changing it from... It, changing it from, like, active, an infinity in verb, like a verb that just, like, goes on for, like, a period of time into, like, a single set action, um, which... Mm-hmm. It, has um like a sense of increasing the like presentness and things um but of course this is like this there's a place for for this as well and this actually this also works fine but there's like um yeah it's just a thing that you can do to change some of those to make them more uh present and and um in the moment that uh this story can definitely be elevated if you were to go back through it with you know a Find a, a, a fine tooth comb. Really work on your prose. Um, and yeah, d- definitely in the beginning, I think setting a strong sense of place, a strong sense of location, um, can really help throughout. Because there were certain moments where I wasn't totally sure where we were. Everything else within this still did push the the story forward. But I think setting up that strong sense of place, uh, along with having a a lot more of a active voice can really build these pictures written a lot stronger within our heads so that we continue to to read and get even deeper into these characters mm-hmm. and story um yeah i think the only thing that i necessarily needed because i knew they were like uh, on the top of a hill um with like this cave but like yeah what the ground is like or what the mm-hmm. the air is like yeah. um and expand beyond you know, just like the physical is also another option but of course one of the main yeah definitely definitely adding all of that sensory yeah. you know i think that's the biggest thing is that if we are in this place i would love to you know know what they're smelling what are they seeing what <laughs> well they yeah feeling, that's, i, I like the um the burnt uh hair uh thing which mm-hmm. is an awful yeah, yeah, smell yeah. so i i never think about that how if you're here <laughs> yeah throwing fireballs at big beast is gonna smell horrible <laughs> Yeah. Um, and um, I also, yeah, um, I really like the sort of emotional um, connection between the, the characters at the end and sort of just the distraughtness of, of Davik after all that. Uh, thanks, Sarah Penguin, for sending in your story. We really uh, appreciate it. And we hope that um, us talking about the podcast uh, helped out. And if there's any um, feedback or, or questions you want to ask or, or anything at all, um, send us an email or leave it in the comment under the post or just add us in the discord of the do the right thing channel whatever you like and um, yeah we'll we'll respond um, but we appreciate you sending your story so that we can read it on the podcast mm-hmm. yeah thank you very much well all right I think it's high time to roll on into our listener submitted story section so thank you so much to haunt of the heron Matt said words Sarah penguin glittering coast and Jarby jazz for submitting your story 
Uh, and the first story we will be talking about this week is by Haunt of the Heron with Drone. Um, it opens up with uh, an evocative line of the, the main character's personality saying, useless fucking piece of shit. I wish that tumor had been malignant <laughs> after all. Um, and I think he's talking to uh, his coworker Deborah as she mm-hmm. pulls into his parking spot. So it really shows that he's a pretty hostile person. Um, and he, uh, he has to work and we really get the sense of just like, wow, this is just like an angry, angry person and also works for some <laughs> horrifying, horrible company where the smell is terrible. He also has earplugs that are necessary. Um, there's like a company like coffee shop and they have to like yell to make each other's uh, heard um, where um, yeah. uh, and there's a new person there, Ezekiel, uh, with his uh, predecessor having left without her without staying her full two weeks notice um so this is clearly a very hostile terrible place uh but after he gets his coffee after like correcting zeke on it um he uh goes and does his job of uh astroturfing on the internet and doing propaganda for his horrible company uh before going downstairs and finding that zeke is being uh dragged by one of the drones of this this horrible place which is clearly some sort of uh bee-like biological monstrosity of some sort uh, the main character uh, rescues Zeke, um, fantasizing f- fantasizing for a moment about taking Zeke out on a date, but instead uh, does his job, sends him to the hospital, and sends a lawyer to uh, p- manage <laughs> the PR of this whole thing. Yeah, so I think that this story uh, definitely carries a strong tone. I mean, I, I love how much it's set in this main in this main character's head to where we feel his aggression that they feel towards everyone else. Um, but at the same time, I think that the jargon going on that's really setting up what this company is and, and like how how it works works so well in building the feeling of, of what it's like to really work here, you know, having to have, have in earplugs and having to have on uh, nose, nose plugs and just sort of these conditions and how um, a lot of people don't seem like they really want, want to work there because it seems like they have really high turnover rate. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, this is written really well. I mean, I, I was 100% in to uh, this main character <laughs> And his views towards Zeke. So overall, yeah, I really dug this story. Yeah, um, I also agree totally with Matt's said words about how, like, that moment where um, he thinks about asking uh, Ezekiel out is, like, a moment of humanity. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. it's like, it, it's endearing, but it's also, like, I don't want Zeke to go out with this person. This person sucks. This person's a horrible person. And so, like, it is humanizing, but it doesn't, like, um, like, doesn't, disqualify all the other stuff uh which i i mm-hmm. like a lot it makes a complicated character so honda the heron in um their comments says that they really didn't like their their story and i i i think the amount of, of vitriol that you're launching towards your own story honda the heron is is unwarranted this is a good story so um, <laughs> obviously there's things that you know uh can be improved um making it maybe like a bit more uh, thematic or punchier and um there's like with the seeing the drone i think would have been cool um i did really like the mm-hmm. tumorous heart thing but um yeah there's stuff that can be improved but it's still yeah it's a fun story so don't be so harsh on yourself ball around great story thank you very much to haunt of the heron for submitting this story um and up next is by matt said words with 
The tie that binds and binds and binds. So, uh, a lovely, evocative uh, title, um, which mm-hmm. uh, Massive Words says comes from um, a quote from Helen Rowland. A lot of this is also inspired by a piece by Salvador Dali, which I think is really cool. And actually makes me think that we should really, that should be one of our themes sometime, uh, to do image prompts. I don't know why we haven't done that before. It's very, very classic uh, to take a... Um, mm. photo or um, painting or some other piece of um, you know more visual art and then use that as inspiration um, for yeah a, a, a written piece so I definitely think that's a good idea and also we could do that toward for music makes a lot of sense oh anyway yeah. we can just drop a uh, yeah track exactly now. so yeah. thanks for the, the inspiration about that um, but okay this story has a uh, Philip Williams um, he looks at this Salvador Dali painting and has some some feelings about it. Uh, we get this, the understanding that he's on Mars and he's someone important on Mars. Um, and he's also has some sort of voice speaking to him, whether it's like an actual, you know, sort of uh, paranoia or just like a different part of his own mind or actually something like another being. We're not entirely sure, but that's not really important to this. The point is that he's listening to it and it is uh, not good (laughs) um but he goes and he is playing golf uh and again this is on mars uh with a man named cliff and uh really he just focuses a lot on the the golfing rather than the discussion that cliff is trying to have with him which it seems pretty important Mm -hmm. uh we get a um the narration leaves them for a moment as a drone flies over we sort of get the scale of this colony uh before we come back and finally, uh, Cliff is talking to Phil about it. And Phil is, like, in charge of a lot of things. And Cliff is, like, the representative of the people. And he says um, that they need to talk about with him about um, water. That there's not uh, enough water. People are suffering for it. And obviously, there's a gigantic uh, golf course of green grass. So clearly, there could be a better use of the water. Um, and Cliff is being, you know... A pretty good you know, just negotiating and stuff and phil kind of goes completely mad uh thinking that they want to take it we're not even sure if that means he, if he's even referring specifically to water or just like everything that he has um and so he mm-hmm. beats cliff to death with the the golf club <laughs> yeah yeah so uh a very uh wise choice on his part um but yeah i mean i think that all of the golf um, description and it, and the imagery really does work well um, to sort of fill out this this scene that's happening behind this really great dialogue, this really great back and forth where we're getting to know a lot about this world and and like how it works and sort of where Cliff is standing with within this this world and like where Phil is and uh, his his people. So. I mean, I think that is really the strongest part about this story is that it's showing where the lines are drawn. It's showing how this world is is working very well without it being confusing uh, whatsoever. And I do get this feeling that like maybe this wasn't the first time that something like like this happened. Mm -hmm. Maybe because because it seems that Cliff is so willing to go to this extent that he'll definitely do anything to keep whatever power uh, he does hold but you know it does beg the the question of like how long can he can he possibly do this until someone decides to beat him up with a golf mm-hmm. club 
Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I just really enjoyed this this story. It's a nice mix of sci-fi. There's some uh, there's some political intrigue here. So yeah, it's just a really great piece that I would love to uh, see more from this world. So great, great job. Yeah, um, I will say I think the part where we leave and follow the drone. Um, the narration changes a lot, and while I do like that sort mm-hmm. of, like, acknowledgement of the storytelling, uh, as it says, like, we, let's just leave, you know, referring to both the storyteller and the audience as one, um, <clears throat> one group, um, I, I like that kind of storytelling. I think it would have landed a little bit better for me if, at the very beginning, when we get introduced to Philip, um, that we have that um that kind of storytelling to set up that we we sort of have a precedent um because as it stands it's like we start in this sort of more standard you know limited third person like strict limited third person and then um when we leave them it sort of really breaks that perspective um with a totally like different one rather than starting in that different perspective and then going into the limited third person before backing about out of yeah so maybe consider either uh, seeding that in beforehand or otherwise like really capitalizing on the fact that this is like a a sort of awareness that this is a story by like like what is having breaking the perspective of this uh, much really feels like it could be capitalized on by um, really going forward of like yeah I'm telling you the story for this reason you know kind of very literizing it rather than like um, mm-hmm. just another part of the description and story you know what I mean like if we're going yeah. to step that far out of it um, there should be make it yeah, purposeful. yeah, strong reason to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, makes perfect sense. Either way, thank you very much to Matt said word. And uh, up next is by Glittering Coast with Zomb or Zame. I don't know. Uh, I pronounce it Zombe, but I don't think it doesn't have like a accent to goose, so I don't know. And normally the the e at the end of the word is That's silent. True. Who knows? Depends. Uh, yeah. But Zomb is a. Um, is an AI and he is in a giant empty room. He's just like a server bank in the middle. He's very, not necessarily fully bored, but um, uh, not having a great time. Uh, he gets damaged over time, uh, but whenever he feels that discomfort um, of the, the damage, a robot will, will come out of a wall, go in, remove the um, damaged hard drive before placing in another one. And the like relief of that is super strong, which um, is significant to Zombie. Or, but uh, Zom mostly spends his time as an AI locked away from humans um, because they were scared of of them. Um, they spend the time watching videos, not of humans, um, but of animals, and specifically takes a lot of um, a lot of satisfaction. I don't know. That's not the right word, but. A lot of feeling <laughs> from videos of, of birds, of birds being like taken care of by other ones or birds being able to fly, um, of course, with that classic imagery of being free and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that this story uh, does a great job at portraying mundanity that a zombie really does live in. Uh, and we do feel that want to have that that freedom, you know, to fly. And I know at the very end, uh, zombie is sort of a in envisioning them hopefully being able to fly or like you know and i also like how throughout there are sprinkles of like why they are trapped here and like the reasons to to that and and the reasons do seem um very realistic enough like i could definitely see 
if we do ever create a AI and it does ever possibly become smarter than us, I can see a lot of people being scared and just deciding to lock it up instead of doing instead of doing anything else with it. So yeah, I, I just really like the description of of this this place, how it feels to to really be here. Um, and I do enjoy Zombie as a as a uh, character. You know, I think the only thing that was sort of I. Wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't even say missing, but just something that I would have liked to 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 see is a direction. You know, like what is this crisis that might push this this story forward? You know, or like what is the purpose of this moment that we are seeing, if not for whatever's coming next? But I'm not sure because it doesn't seem like anything is really coming mm-hmm. next. So, I mean, overall, it is a it, uh, is a fantastic story, and yeah, I just think going back and possibly looking at purpose could even take the story up a, a notch but overall great mm-hmm. job um yeah i really like how we contrast the uh, physical uncomfortability of this damaged hard drive with um the like yearning that uh zombie's feeling i think that's a, a really good setup there yeah definitely definitely but thank you very much to glittering coast and our last story for this week is by jarby jazz with a bloody foul morning a fantastic title. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it has to do uh, with some nice Lovecraftian and um, shape-shifting stuff, which is always a favorite. Um, this character uh, is walking out and really hates their job. Um, basically, I think sort of this is sort of like a, a class of some sort. They're going out with a professor, but to, to sort of do hands-on work, um, identifying a monster basically that's been killed by the, the the soldiers but was created by flesh crafters which is a, a lovely term um <laughs> and the professor uh prompts the um main character to narrate their uh thoughts on this and so they investigate and we you know we learn a lot about flesh crafting and the norms of it and find out that this uh, monster is clearly um, some new creation um, for various reasons. They use formaldehyde. Uh, they don't have like a unique um, thing for it. Uh, it's the work of a newbie. Um, and the, this captain shows up as well uh, to, to sort of provide another perspective of someone who doesn't know much about these things and ask questions. Um, but uh, Esty uh, comes to the conclusion that um this is the first creation of a newbie um and then there this newbie will definitely go off to in either uh a more professional flesh crafter and get advice that way or they will come back and attack with a even stronger uh, creature of some sort and so they need to prepare and sd is very pleased Mm -hmm. by this morning even though it started off terrible Yeah, yeah, but overall, this is a really strong story. I mean, I love the uh, the like world building going in. I think that this voice works really well of um, sort of giving us a taste of what this world really does feel like. I'm really picking up sort of slight noir tones from the very be- beginning. How this voice is just saying, "Ah, oh, what a foul morning! Oh, what a smell!" You know, and it's really sort of creating this sort of grungy feel to this world. Um, and then on and then on top of that, as we're going into the actual magic itself, I think it's really I think it's really interesting, you know, taking all of these pieces and creating these beasts. But I love how there is a difference between a between a trained flesh flesh crafter and a 
amateur, and I do like how these uh, main how these main characters point that out and like list kind of what the what the differences are. You know, they're they're priming us for this for this wider world. Um, and I mean, going going off of the uh, character, I think that they're both really strong. They fit perfectly within the tone and, and the action that is being set up here. So yeah, I mean, overall, I think that this is just a really great uh, world that is being created, uh, crafted, and I would love to see even more from it. I think that this could definitely be a great world to explore further. So really great job, Jarby Jazz. Uh, yeah, um, there is, I think, an issue of uh, visualization. Uh, I think we, uh, the the sort of tone of, in the ambiance of like the air and, you know, this kind of the mm-hmm. fog of the morning, I think is really good, but I was struggling to find exactly where we were. I wasn't sure if we were like on a pier or if we'd gone like into a building and like the mm-hmm. monster was like laid out. Um, so yeah, having some of those details, I didn't need necessarily like a full description of what the monster looks like, but um, cause I think we get sort of a sense of what it is, but um, yeah, sort of sense of like, is this where it was killed or um, was it dragged mm-hmm. somewhere else to be investigated or, or whatever else? Um, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, definitely, yeah, like, as you were saying, this story does do a lot with the atmo- um, you know, setting up the fog of, of the morning, but going down to those spe- to those specifics is what really does make the image reader's mind and allows us to walk with the, these characters instead of view them sure, from a distance. yeah. Um, it, it just ended up feeling for a little bit kind of, sort of like floating voices, um, mm-hmm. it, which was ground a little bit by the interactions with the body, but even still well 100 but really great story jarby jazz uh so yep that is all of the stories that we have for this week uh but we would like to say a good old do the right thing thank you to everyone who did submit a story so thank you very much to haunt of the hero thank you to matt said words thank you sarah penguin thank you glittering coast and thank you jarby jazz and we would also like to say thank you to everyone who did Leave comments. Leaving two or more comments not only compiles all of your ideas on your own story for everyone to see, but you're also providing someone else with crucial feedback that can only improve both their and your writing prowess. So, thank you very much to Sarah Penguin, Matt Set Words, Glittering Coast, Haunt of the Heron, and Jarby Jazz. Thank you so much for leaving comments. Yeah, y'all did absolutely fantastic, uh this week um with the reflection um and um yeah i i don't know how to put into words just how cool it was to see so many comments i I don't know what was different this week (laughs) let us know if there was something that uh if there was a particular reason why um you all decided to leave so many comments this week um but yeah we really appreciate it Mm -hmm. if you want to be like all these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing you can do that by going to reddit at slash r slash do the right thing All you have to do is sit down for 30 minutes and write a complete short story using three or four words from that week. Uh, That's right. And the best way to find out those words as soon as they come out is to um, follow and uh, set notifications for us on uh, Twitter, which is at RightThingCast. You can also check in on... Uh, the subreddit, um, it's always up by Monday, uh, although I can't, it, I don't know exactly what time it goes up on Sundays because we're still getting a handle on, on schedules and such uh, after two years. <laughs> uh, but uh, you can also send us an email at rightthinkcast at gmail.com if you would like. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to support us and everything else in Doof Media, you can do that by donating to the Doof Media Patreon. 
all you have to do is donate $10 or, or more per, per month and you'll get access to exclusive bonus content, including the latest episode of Doofofer. That's right. Also, um, donating at the $5 level gives you access to our monthly Doofin Chills, uh, which um, uh, are just uh, fun times where we hang out. I think um, this last Friday we actually had um, a, I think it's called GeoGuessr. I wasn't able to, to be there, but it's where um you play a game of getting dropped randomly on google earth and you have to figure out where you are Mm, as fast as you can uh which seems uh like a pretty fun activity so um yeah i i recommend y'all going and checking those out and those also get uploaded to youtube if you don't catch them live and they're really fun so please do definitely so what else is happening in doof media right now there's always so much going on at doof media i'm very excited i know i've been hyping it for literally like two months but the uh doof game club on Disco Elysium is coming up soon, so if you haven't played that game yet and you want to participate in uh, the live um, recording of it and you know post your questions and comments and such as um, Elliot and Ruben and maybe a guest uh, discuss uh, Disco Elysium, please do. Uh, just go ahead and start now. Um, you could probably get through the game if you rush it, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's it's worth uh, it's worth doing so without spoilers. So. And it's a really, really great game. Um, I definitely recommend that. And of course, there's uh, so much else. Uh, Doofcast is always going on covering uh, so many um, really interesting things. They're continuing with their dissecting uh, director series on Verbinski. Um, and just recently, they did um, the one uh, they did one on The Ring. So uh, that's a fun dissection of uh, a really spooky story. It's <laughs> a spooky movie. So... I'm excited to listen to that one and listen to the backlog of the rest when I have more time to listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, all right. I think it's high time to roll on into next week's words. So, can I please um, get a drum? No. No, that, that, was, uh, that was great. Uh, all right. So, next week's words are manufacture, kick, carry, and survive. So, manufacture as... Yeah, to make something, usually in an industrial sense, but any sort of making something, you can manufacture something by hand. Um, and of course, you can always twist this word into manufacturing mm-hmm. or whatever else um, that's related to that. Uh, kick, which is a physical motion uh, that imparts force uh, using your leg. <laughs> um, um, or any sort of like a <laughs> boost that sort of goes on in that sense. So you can kickstart uh, a motorcycle or generator, um, which, uh, yeah, gets it going. Uh, carry, as in to hold something, um, which can be like any sort of object, but it can also be uh, specifically like uh, carry arms, like a like a weapon of some. And survivor, as in to not to last beyond some sort of uh, very difficult thing. Usually, with the sense that the other people, that not everyone does survive it. So. Uh, yeah, those are the words. What's the story you're gonna write, Jarvis? Uh, yes. Yeah. So the story I'm going to be writing next week uh, takes place in a uh, old steel mill, fa- uh, an old steel mill factory that is, that has been repurposed to manufacture uh, shoes, uh, specifically <laughs> the shoes that Sonic wears, um, and uh, they are being oh made God. for the army so that all of the soldiers can get from point A to, 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 to point B even faster and also have devastating kicks that just, just destroys whoever they are they are uh, they are uh, kicking 
Well, so about 10 years after they first started making these shoes, um, they basically became the sole provider of these shoes, meaning that they were meaning that they were carrying the entire um, <laughs> army man shoe making uh, business. Dismantle um, the army and, uh, man shoe making industrial complex. Yes, yes, but they have an entire monopoly on the entire business. So much to where they almost become their own sort of government. To where you know now they have sway within certain elections. Who whoever is going to be president is definitely first going to be approved by this company um but after so many years when when war has gone on died out came back again and died even more um they started losing their footing uh all the way until they uh, had to go out of business because they were the sole survivor of this huge skirmish within the world of um, Sonic-type shoes that uh, make you that go was, fast. That was uh, quite a tale. That was an epic. Um, thank you. So thank you. Does is it Sonic's shoes that make him go fast? Well, no, 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 no. Uh, basically, uh, he, Sonic is fast, mm-hmm. right? But I'm pretty sure his his shoes keep him from like you know okay. burning and also help him run. I I know that Sonic's. Uh, well, I know that Shadow's shoes help him go faster because i i know that that shadow is not as fast huh. as sonic because uh, because no one's as fast that's as true sonic. he is i mean um, his name is so something yeah. that means fast basically. exactly so yeah i mean it doesn't but the connotation anyway. i mean i mean honestly i think like half of like the reason why they made the, the shoes was kind of a placebo um but they do provide um really strong kicking um well my story will be about um well this is in the far future where aliens took over the world and only if uh you become some sort of uh fantastic like entertainer can you be allowed to um survive and um so this (laughs) company as we're like transitioning into this uh to save as many people as possible um, starts basically manuf- manufacturing people into uh, kickflip um, experts um, so that they, oh. like, you run through a, a training course uh, so you can do, like, kickflips and, like, ollies and stuff. Uh, and so you can be a survivor in this uh, terrible, uh, terrible world. Um, but uh, then the aliens, um, they don't get how cool being able to do a kickflip is. And so they stopped uh, carrying uh, people uh, around, and that was bad. <laughs> okay. That's that's my story. That's yeah, my story. On- I'm done. That's it. That's the story. Honestly, that's that's a really <laughs> strong story. You know, because 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 I think people do not appreciate the art of a kick um, as much as we should, and I think your story would be a great. Um, flagship story to sort of trailblaze this this path in our in our polarized government yeah. governmental. Yeah. Um. Yep. That's yep. That would be the the right thing to do. Yep. Uh huh. Okay. Right uh, thing, that's yeah. that's the episode. Thank you. Um. Have a Bye. have a good night.